Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts. We're going to be in chapter 3. We're going to skip ahead to verse 11 and go through verse 11 through 26 this morning. Chapter 3, 11 through 26, found on page 1083 in your pew Bible. If you do not have a Bible, own a Bible. Did not bring one with you. There's a one in the back of the pew. It's a black one. If you don't own one, that is our gift to you. We want you to take that home. It is not stealing. I'm telling you to take it. It's yours. We don't want anyone to leave here without the word of God in their hands. Um, we will replace the ones in the pew so that the next person that doesn't have one will get one as well. Um, we believe in that strongly. Our scripture this morning, let's read where Luke writes. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Here ends the reading of the Holy Word. Let us go to God in prayer. O oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm really glad you're all here today. You made it through the wind and the rain and the, and the cool weather. It's, it's just a joy and an honor that every week I get to bring God's word to you. Uh, I really relish in it and I thank you for, for giving me that opportunity. But today I want to talk about credit. Not extra credit, but actual credit. 
You know, we, we, or recognition for our accomplishments, right? We, we all do things in our lives or in our jobs or, or within our own families that, that we want some credit for doing. We, we want some acknowledgement that we did a good job or that we accomplished a task. My wife will attest for you that, that I want credit when I go and, and will fold laundry without her asking me for three months. I may not even fold all of it. I may just fold some of it. And, I, and she'll walk home and I'll be like, going to say anything? Going to say anything? It, you know, we want, as, as humans, we want credit for things that we do, things that we deem as special or out of the ordinary, but also general things that we do and we think we did good at. See, when we don't receive recognition or acknowledgement, we all have someone in our lives or a group of people in our lives that will turn to and begin murmuring and be like, gosh, did they even know that I did that? Is someone going to say anything? If they would only say, thank you, I'm not asking for a lot, right? Just say, thank you for making the bed, Nathan. I mean, you know, it, it will be fine. So they could just acknowledge it. We want credit for the things we do in our lives. And for some of us, we enjoy on resumes and job applications when it says, uh, fill in uh, your accomplishments, and we begin writing down, and we, and we can create a list of a lot of wild things that, that we want people to know we did. Some of us, we struggle with it, but we still enjoy it. We always like to hear a good job, and that was well done. Recognition is, is something we like. But then sometimes in our lives, we will get credit for something we had absolutely nothing to do with. And we usually respond in one of two ways. We, we just graciously accept it and, and move on, and then we begin puffing up our chest. Well, I know I didn't do that, but they didn't recognize all the other things I did, so we'll just count it as credit earned. Or we try and, and talk with the person and say, no, that's, I didn't do that. You need to go thank so-and-so and give credit where credit is due. See, that's something my dad always taught me is that you give credit where credit is due. And here Peter sets that as a foundational principle for those following Jesus. See, we skipped over the section, but what just happened before the scripture we read today is that Peter and John and the disciples and the followers of Jesus were headed to the temple in Jerusalem for prayer time. They were going there, and they're, and they're there together to have prayer, and up walks a man born lame. He can't walk, and he comes to Peter and John, and they find out he's a believer in Jesus Christ, and then Peter tells him to get up and walk, and he does, and so people start crowding around them. The scripture says they were astounded at what they saw. They were amazed. Here is Peter just saying, get up and walk in this man who they've known was born lame is now walking. They can't believe it. And they're, and they're coming up. Peter, good job. How did you do that? That was amazing. You are fantastic. And Peter uses that to begin the second sermon we have recorded from. He says, who do you think I am? Who do you think we all are? By, by what power did we do this? By what piety do we have that could possibly make this lame man walk? Instead, Peter corrects them immediately and says, no, all of the good that is done is done because of Jesus. I had nothing to do with it. 
Peter holds up for the listeners there on the portico called Solomon's, right? Which is this porch area where columns right outside of the temple. They're right there where the Pharisees and Sadducees and, and, and the Sanhedrin can hear what they're preaching and telling. And they're saying, here are two fundamental truths that we know. That God is holy and just. And being holy and just, we are given credit for all of our evil deeds, our wickedness, our sins, and our rebellion. And Peter says, and the scriptures attest to this, but God gets all the glory for our salvation. We get no credit for turning to God. We get no credit for our salvation. We get no credit for our good works because our good works we weren't able to do without Christ. Paul will write later in a letter saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he even writes to the Romans in chapter three. He says, there's not one good person. No one can do good. Not a single one who doesn't believe in Jesus. That goodness isn't relative, but goodness comes from the Lord. And so he holds these up. God gets all the credit for all the good things we ever do, all the noble things, honorable things, righteous things. We get no credit for it. But yet in the same instance, God gives us credit or holds us responsible for our sin and our evil deeds and our rebellion. And so Peter says, God gets the credit. And he begins preaching. And he begins lifting up Christ from the scriptures. And remember the scriptures they have is the Old Testament. And he names Jesus several different ways. He names him as servant. He names him as Jesus, as holy, righteous, just, author of life, the Christ. And as he's preaching, it, it, is, it is Christ who is exalted. Christ who is uplifted. He's not mentioning their own faith in Christ. He's not mentioning their own, their own obedience to prayer time. He's mentioning what Christ has done because it all hinges on what Christ accomplished on the cross. And then at the end of his sermon, Peter urges them to repent. In verse 19, it says, Repent, therefore... And turn back. See, as they were writing in the first century, they would make their argument for why they needed to do what comes at the end. And in our own thought process, we tend to think a bit different. We think we get told to do something, and then we ask why. And so, and so for us, for our brains to better understand this, we're going to hear Peter say, repent and turn back. And we go, well, why, Peter? Why should we repent and turn back? And Peter had preached it for him, and he says, repent. Repent because, Peter says in verse 15, you have put Jesus Christ to death. He's gathered right outside the temple. Men of Israel, who in the gospel of John, it's recorded, yelled, crucify him, crucify him. They had put Jesus to death. He says, repent. 
change your mind, change your judgment, turn back to God. This understanding of repentance is discovering the evil of sin. It's then mourning that we committed it, and then it's, it's the move to forsake sin and turn to God. When we're confronted by Jesus or by our sin in our lives, there's only two movements for us to make. We either forsake our sin and go with, and turn to Jesus, or we forsake Jesus and turn into our sin. There is no in-between. And repentance for the Christian is to return from sin, forsake it, and be welcomed by God when we turn to him. See, in our repentance, we don't fear judgment. Because, yes, God is holy and just and gives us credit for all of our sinful wrongdoing and, and evil deeds and rebellion. But being holy and just, he sent his only begotten son to live the perfect life and die the death that we deserve, spilling his blood, wiping away our sins so that we may be forgiven. And then when we repent, we receive the forgiveness and we get God. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Peter says, repent. Repent because you killed Jesus and so we understand that, and we, and we say, okay, but we weren't there. What, what's Peter saying here for us? And when he says, repent because you killed Jesus, and we understand that Jesus died on the cross to satisfy justice for God for our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins. Every sin we have committed has hung Jesus up on that cross. And when we knowingly commit sin, we are essentially driving the nails into him. Our sins, yes, killed Jesus. Repent, therefore, turn to God. He says, repent. Repent because you despised Jesus. He, as, he's, as he's preaching on this portico called Solomon's, this porch outside of the temple, he's saying, repent because you chose a murderer over Jesus, faced with the holy, righteous son of God, and Pilate was ready to hand him over, ready to release him. You said, no, give us Barabbas. Give us the one who, who does deserve death by our laws, and send the perfect one to go die. Repent. Repent from your rebellion and your evil doing. Forsake your sins and turn to God. Peter's preaching this to this crowd that's been stirred up by this amazing miracle that they performed. And Peter's saying, it's, it's not me, it's God who did this. And it's the same God who did this that through his son has forgiven you so that you can turn from the evil you've done and be welcomed as sons and daughters of the God most high. Repent. Repent because in verse 16, faith in Jesus' name will save you. It says the lame man believed in Jesus. Not only was he healed, but he was saved from his sins. 
Repent because Jesus' name will save you. Repent, he says, because now you know and can no longer claim ignorance. Verse 17, he says, he says, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. Right? When Jesus says those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Peter says, now you know. And because you know, repent. Change your mind and your judgment. Turn from that evil rebellion and turn to God. Even though you didn't know, God used it for his plan to save the world, to restore the world, redeem the world, and bring us back to him. Repent, therefore, and turn back. Peter calls those on the porch that day and us in our everyday to repentance. to forsake the sin we now see in our lives and turn to God where he holds us with his love and his mercy in which he has promised to never leave us nor forsake us even though we once forsake him. Jesus will never do that to us. In fact, Peter then goes on and says, there's three things that come when you repent and you turn back. He says that your sins may be blotted out. Repent, therefore, and turn back so that your sins may be blotted out. Your sins are wiped away. When Jesus shed his blood, his blood wiped us clean as snow. We have been justified and made righteous because of what Christ accomplished on the cross. But see, that's not the get of the gospel. The get of the gospel isn't merely forgiveness of sins and having them wiped away because being forgiven but not getting God isn't good news at all. The good news is our sins were wiped out so we do get God with no barriers, with no more rebellion holding us back, with no sin that needs to be paid because Jesus has done that. And so Jesus, our great high priest, leads us to our loving father in my father's house. I'm a child of God. Say it with me. Yes, I am. Yeah. Repent and turn to God and your sins are blotted out. You're justified. And then he says, he continues on, that times, in verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent and turn back. Your sins are blotted out. You're justified. And then that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that this refreshing, this regeneration, that daily the Holy Spirit continues to make you more holy than the day before, and our obedience flows out of grateful praise for what Jesus has accomplished. And we are sanctified daily, daily refreshed, regenerated from our old dead self into this new, abundant life in Christ. When we repent and turn to God, 
Our sins are blotted out. We're justified. And then we are refreshed by the Lord. We are sanctified. And then he continues on and he says, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. That we would be glorified. We repent and we turn to God and we're justified, sanctified. And then when Jesus comes again, there will be universal restoration at Jesus' second coming of all things about which the prophets spoke. And there will be a new heaven, the scripture says, and there will be a new earth. And there will be a new Jerusalem. And then we will receive new, perfect, heavenly bodies without any ailments, without any pain. Enjoying God, knowing peace to reside in us forever. Justified, sanctified, and ultimately we will be glorified. And so will all of God's creation. And as Peter preaches this on the porch outside the temple, he reminds them with one final warning. Here in verse 23, he says, And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. We'll see next week. This this right here gets Peter and John in trouble because now they have preached Christ crucified and said he is the way, the truth, and the life that no one shall come to the Father except through him. And now Peter is proclaiming that just because you were born an Israelite does not make you a people of God. That once did. But now, through what Jesus has accomplished, only those who confess him as Lord and Savior will be called beloved children of God. So it's no longer a birthright. It no longer passes through our bloodlines generation after generation, but it's reserved for those who will call upon the Lord as their Savior. Those are God's people. So what they're telling all of the listeners right outside the temple, just because you come to temple and just because you're Jewish, if you don't have faith in Christ, you are no longer his people. And today we preach what Jesus said. In his own words, when he said he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one shall come to the Father except through him. And when we preach it, and we believe it, and we live it, it is as scandalous today as it was for Peter and John on the porch outside of the temple. Because the world wants to tell us differently, but God has communicated this truth through his son. And Peter has given us this warning. But he leaves them and us 
with knowing God's heart. He says, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. God wants everyone to turn from their wickedness to him. Salvation isn't reserved for some people to come to Christ, but as Luke, as part of the gospel and understanding Luke, that salvation is offered up for all. Everyone is invited to come and confess Jesus so that you may get God forever. In just a moment, Pastor Chris is gonna come up here. He's gonna invite us to communion. And part of when we come forward to communion is that we take the bread and the cup and we remember that we have been forgiven, not forsaken. That we are beloved, adopted children of God. And so may we always remember God's heart is for us so that we may receive his love and mercy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful and grateful that you provide this space for us to come and gather and worship you. We're so thankful for your word given through Peter and their scriptures, calling us to repentance of our sins. Lord, as much as we often want to take credit, we know that you get all the glory so that in all we do, may we do so knowing, recognizing, and telling others of how great you are. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.